Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where we chat with startup founders just like you from all over the globe. Each episode, we bring you practical and actionable tips to help you escape the cubicle and begin your own startup journey. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Podbrand Media. As a business owner, new sales leads are essential. At Podbrand Media, we create a branded podcast for you to generate those leads by interviewing your best potential clients as subject matter experts. Not only creating great rapport, but also great content to share in your industry. Affordable and effective. Contact us today at podbrandmedia.com to learn more. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my special guest today is John Earhart. John, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So we are both in the same time zone, which doesn't always happen on this show. I mean, we, we interview people all <laughs> over the world, so sometimes it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, their time, that they're <laughs> they're actually talking to us. But uh, yeah, it's good to be on the, on the East Coast of the U.S., but... John, if you and I met at a at a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me? Sure. Uh, well, I started. I've got uh, an interesting beginning, I guess. I, I was homeschooled through high school, and I started in television at fifteen part time and full time when I was sixteen. Then between high school and the weekends, start first show was Mickey Mouse Club back in the uh, days with Justin and Brittany and Ryan Gosling and all them, and, and got to start on Mickey Mouse Club and then evolved into unscripted television for basically my entire life. And I went to college and worked on every, uh, probably for every network you could think of, produced every kind of show you could imagine and unscripted my whole life. And then, which brought me to building a tech company to, uh, had an epiphany a few years ago to automate what I was doing in TV and bring it to sort of the masses. So that's what they did the last couple of years. So. so, so often on our show, when we're talking to, you know, startup founders, we're talking to entrepreneurs, they, they, the thing they created was like born out of them scratching their own itch. So is that true in this case? It is. I, I, I had an, a moment like three years ago where I was like, I'm, I'm a carpenter who fixes everybody else's house, but everything broken in my house. Like, my my home video was like non-existent. My iPhone camera roll was like kids running across the soccer field or on a zip line on a vacation. But like I didn't have any stories captured of like my 96 year old grandmother, which is an amazing woman mm. and her story. And I, I wasn't doing it. I didn't have my person, the personalities of the stories of my family or my kids or anything captured. And I was like, oh man, I gotta I gotta do this. I'm gonna regret this later in life. And and so I started doing little mini documentaries of different family members and different kind of things. And it was, it was incredible to see the outcome of them because the, the impact on everybody who watched them and not just the immediate family of the friends, it's like so powerful. But then it was like, Oh, can we do one for this? Can we do one for that? And there's so much work, even, even coming from my background, like I could, I know how to do all this as fast as you could possibly do it, but it was so time consuming and so, you know, a laborious, I was like, okay, I got to figure out a way to do this because it's really powerful. And if I could figure out a way of automating this so that the, the masses could do this, it'd be really fantastic. So that's where it was born from. So. It is. It's interesting when you talk about kind of the origin story, and, and I want to really dive deep into this in just a second, but uh, just kind of flip the script on you here just a second ago. So, sure. or a second, I, I had purchased this book for my father about 20 years ago called A Father's Legacy. 
And yep. every page just had a question at the top of the page. And it was like a journal, like, you know, he was supposed to write his answers in. Well, that lasted about one day. And he goes, look, <laughs> number one, I don't like the questions. Number two, I don't like to write. So I'm just going to like type emails or dictate emails or whatever. I have 162 emails that are him just dictating about a story. Like, this is my first yeah. date. This was when I was in Korea in the war. This was when, yeah. and I mean, amazing content you know that's been yep. that was captured there and yep. so i i certainly get the need to do this but yeah walk us through you know hey orson or walk us through orson itself and just say hey this is what it is yeah uh orson basically is a product that we'll always say it this way we as humans suck at communicating we suck at <laughs> sharing our stories and and i think we're getting worse at it as technology gets better we get worse at, you know, being authentic and in, in the soft skills of interacting with each other. And so what Orson does is leverage what we did in television that part of directing people was, or part of producing unscripted is being able to direct people who are not designed to be on TV. They're not actors. They're not used to having cameras while they're on and helping them open up and share their stories and doing compelling, entertaining ways. And and automate that to to not it's not an editing platform, but Orson is a video storytelling platform that basically will you want to do a life story, you want to do a love story, you want to do this, this, this. You pick it, it interviews you, it spits you out a finished episode, and then That's you give you some creative some creative touch points there if you want to tweak a couple things from your content, but it just sort of gives you a final product that's really powerful. And so do you have like a standard like bank of questions based on like and they're tagged to certain content like, hey, this is a love story. So here's a set of questions here. This is my, you know, university life. This is a set of questions or how does it what, what's the mechanics, I guess, behind it? Yeah. And I apologize, Kevin, the, your audio dropped off for a second. Can you ask me the beginning of that? Question oh, one sorry more time? about that. Yeah. I, I missed the first five seconds. Yeah. So I would just walk me through the mechanics. So is there like a bank of, of, of questions, like preset questions, you know, that are tagged to certain categories or, or that type of yeah. thing? Or is it more of a, like a generative thing that it kind of like, you know, responds like, like AI yeah. does? The core of the platform is uh, based on, we designed a thing called story strips. So Orson, a story strip is for lack of a better term, a, our version of a template on steroids, mm -hmm. right. you know? And it's the algorithm, the music and the questions all baked in. So you could go and we could create a story strip that was for your, for a life story, let's say. And it would have preset a narrative and questions that would walk somebody through a journey of that. Uh, and so that part is sort of preset the piece we're working on right now with generative AI is really fascinating because it's the ability of sort of taking that a step further where depending on the person's answer, we can do follow-up questions mm -hmm. and push the story deeper and also let people talk about it in a little bit more long form right. and let the AI help truncate it down and then using the AI to add a, a sort of another level of B-roll and even adjust the music and do other things. Like it, it the algorithm version of Orson already does all of this in a, in a basic form that's really powerful. The, the Gen AI level on top of it is just like, yeah. the, the that, stuff that's a whole different right level. Now, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, I, the, the, this new version that's coming out, it's going to be incredible. Like it, it's, it, it goes so fast and it becomes more personal and, and it, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So the, the pricing model behind Orson, is it a subscription? Is it a one-off? Is it like, I, I want to tell my one yeah. story. So here I'm just, I need to buy a template 
uh, yeah. that type of thing. So when we initially launched Orson, we were thinking about it more in the use case of uh, life story, right? And, mm-hmm. and helping to tell people's life story. And we were thinking about it as a direct-to-consumer play. And when we cracked the code of the technology about a year ago and realized, oh, wow, we, we saw how we could automate this and we saw what it could do, we realized all the other use cases and really, and also in this part of it was the testing of working with real people with it and seeing the emotional reaction come back and we were mm-hmm. testing it in different places. We realized that to bring this direct to consumer would be super costly, a little bit higher risk, and we have to build out you know, a whole business just for that. But the tool itself, right, the platform of Orson has a lot more value to humanity across a wider spectrum. Right. So what we, we designed it, we changed the model to be powered by Orson as a story as a service model. So we could go to a company like Ancestry who already has the audience and say, hey, we get powered by Orson, all of a sudden add stories of service to their existing product. And now they can do video documentaries in there. You go to LinkedIn instead of hiring somebody or trying to network with people just off of your text base of where you went to school and where you worked and whatever. It's the story of them and their journey, their career. And you get the nuance of that dating and apps like Bumble where, you know, people are trying to find love and relationships. So like, you know, imagine instead of just the pictures and text based be able to actually hear their story and, that, and this is the stories of the things that connect those things. So we shifted the model to there and 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 we're focusing on storage service and powered by Orson. But in the interim what we did is we launched a thing two weeks ago actually called Storyshop.ai. And Storyshop what it is is a place for us to test uh, specific story strips for specific markets and start getting data for our story science team and also for the AI team and to start testing and getting user feedback directly and using that to help inform some of the platform sales efforts. So like right now in StoryShop, you could do Life Story. We've got another one called the Chemistry Accelerator, which if anybody that's on a team of any kind, it just helps a team of people really bond. We've got one for boards called the Board Builder, one called Me From Three, which is a profile one. It's basically you and three stories and three pictures. Mm-hmm. You could put it on, you know, on a website or a profile or LinkedIn or something like that. So. So a story shop is where you can play with it right now. And then the platform efforts is where we're going direct to partners. So I have, I've interviewed almost 300 startup founders from more than 30 different countries. I've gotten excited about ideas before, but I don't remember a time in the, in more than five years that I've been doing this, that my brain was moving any faster while you were telling your story. I'm thinking... <laughs> You know, the biggest problem you're going to have is is what not to chase. Yes. I mean, you it, there are so many squirrels. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you are ADHD, you, you're going to have to really double down on the yep. meds because you got oh, yeah. there are so many things that you could chase right now and so many ideas sure. and thoughts. I would love to be a fly on the wall in your brainstorming sessions with your team because, oh, yeah. you know, you would need whiteboards on all four walls in the conference room, you know, type yep. thing. But how do you I mean, that's a that's a great question to, to follow up on. Yeah. I mean, how do you. How do you decide, you know, ignore the noise and just say, hey, we got to focus on our prime, you know, mission here type thing? Yeah, for sure. It, it's a it's a great question. I'm laughing because if you could hear all the investor meetings over the two years of building this, you know, I'm a first time founder. So coming from the TV world into doing this, mm-hmm. it was the constant theme. The investors were always super excited. Huge yeah. eyes. Like they, they had a thousand ideas, right? Yeah. Because once you understand what this can do. And they all said the same exact thing. The biggest problem you're going to have is mm-hmm. where do you start? And, and, and being focused on that. 
And it was probably some of the best advice I got early. We got a fantastic board that that's been helping guide that journey. It's not easy. There's a lots of there's lots of shiny things constantly swirling. I think that the the best way I would say it is the core mission of what we're doing at Orson is really helping humans connect, right? It's helping to 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 run that. And when you look at it through that lens of what we're trying to do, the there's certain categories and uses that really bubble up to the top that help us focus in where we want to start first, right? We're going to get to these places eventually, but 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 it helped us really ground on where we wanted to focus, where we thought the best value was going to be for the end users and for the partners, and just stay laser focused on that. And now here's a quick word from one of our new sponsors on Rising Tide Startups. Have you been wanting to start a podcast, but not sure where to start? Well, now you can start a podcast in less than 24 hours. I'm David Ezel, and I'll walk you through all of the things that you need to get started today. Things like how to choose the right microphone, how to edit your audio, and how to find guests and build a pipeline of future guests. This course does a great job of keeping things high level while also diving into the things that keep most people from starting. Even better, if you use the code RISING at checkout, you'll get 20% off your purchase. But that's only if you use the code RISING at checkout. What are you waiting for? Start your podcast today. So as an investor, I would applaud your your magnanimity, but I would say, well, but we also want to have an or have some ROI here. So yeah, yeah we sure. want to do good for the for the planet. <laughs> we want to do yeah. good for humanity. But we yeah. also we have a, a bottom line that we want to, you know, say, yeah, you know, hey, where where is the, the greatest return? So as you're as you're focusing on this, I mean, it's it's one thing to say, you know, hey, our, our job is to just connect humans together, you know, through story yeah. or through whatever. But yeah. the biggest question, my next question would be, OK, how do you monetize that yeah. in, a, in such a way that it is scalable? It is, you sure. know that type of thing. So what are, what are, I guess, what are some yeah. of the thought processes or iterations maybe you've gone through to get there? Yeah. Uh, so what I'd say is I feel very lucky that those two things are very much uh, in parallel, right? I think a lot of founders, people starting companies, you want to say, oh, we're going to change the world. We're going to make an impact, right? <laughs> and, and I feel like, man, we're really lucky. Like, like the thing we're doing actually has a huge impact on relationships and people, you know, of all kinds, right? And so the good news with this is the, the, the highest value we offer in those use cases. So when you think about like, like story and connecting people and relationships, mm-hmm. the things we're focusing on are also some of the, the places where the value for the end user is also the highest and for the partner. So this is something, how we monetize this is story as a service to ancestry. You can go to ancestry now and say, you're charging, you know, X hundred dollars a year for your subscription and they're getting a picture at best yep. and to see their ancestry. But now they can add additional flowcharts. That's what they're getting. Yeah, they, exactly. But now to, for that to be the repository of their whole, the family stories for generations mm. to come and the generations to follow, think about the new revenue streams that they can monetize and the additional packages and things they can, you know, do. Think about for somebody like Bumble who is trying to convert their free paid tiers to their paid subscription tiers. And now all of a sudden you bolt in and now if you're, if you pay the extra dollar for Bumble, now all of a sudden dating becomes really easy because you're not just looking at pictures, but now you get to see these stories and you get to yep. really connect with people faster. So really what we're offering our partners is additional revenue streams, you know, uh, value for their end users, help reduce churn, 
really, really high ticket items mm-hmm. that have, so, so the monetization on that is great. How we actually monetize it is through the stories we, we sort of sell. So it, it's can be done in bundles form. So you do be able to partner, be a bundle of stories for over a year contract on the subscription tier with excellent mm-hmm. story strips. And so it's almost like a band with cell phone minutes, if you will. I'll right. Think of Buy additional like, credits you know. if you want to do more stories, that type of thing. So exactly right. All right. Yeah. So crazy idea here. Okay. We're, yeah. we're, we're not recording anymore. This is a secret, secret idea okay. here. But <laughs> as you were, as you were talking about ancestry, I mean, my, my wife loves to, you know, get on that and, and just kind of track back her family tree. Sure. Imagine if you could using AI bring great, great grandpa to life in a video based on their yep. picture, telling yep. the story of the content that is somehow curated yeah. through yeah. different websites yeah you know and, and grandpa's telling a story how he met grandma you know type thing yeah. or, or something like that and, and he, he's been gone for a hundred years you know yeah. so are we are we not recording for a second because i gotta respond to that are we off <laughs> we know we are yeah this is all right it's all live so <laughs> don't say anything but, proprietary I would say, <laughs> but, but what i would what i would tell you is there, there, it's interesting you said that there there are some platforms that have tried some have failed where they actually tried to use some of the early stages of gen i gen ai to do that mm-hmm. some of the initial feedback that happened in that was a creepy factor oh yeah what, there's the no doubt about it I, that's because, the word that came to mind before yeah, you said <laughs> creepy because when you, that's right. yeah because all of a sudden it's not exactly them it's like some altered version yeah, of it and it becomes different less voice. authentic and genuine mm-hmm. right yeah. and so it's something that believe it or not it does come up a lot and, and we we talk talk about it but i think that's the powerful part about this is there's there's nothing that i think will ever replace being able to really need to be able to capture that right mm-hmm. our solution for that in our in sort of an authentic way is for the generations that have passed already like like if you think about it this if you think about our, our families at best you the stories passed down one more generation yep. right so like my grandparents i know some of their stories my dad mm-hmm. knows all of them my kids are not going to remember anything in my yep. grandparents stories right yeah and so what we can do now though is create a story strip that's like you know, the kids talking about grandpa who may have already passed and you can still archive with pictures and these great stories and capture all these things about him. So at least you could still capture that now and start building it for the mm-hmm. future, you know? And, and yeah, but yeah, that's my short, that's my long, short answer. About that. Well, you, you've got enough on your hands just to do this current generation. So, I mean, yeah, I, exactly. yeah, you don't need to go back three generations to, to, you know, yeah. my civil war, great grandfather, great, great grandfather, but so you, it sounds like to me that, you know, we've, we've got two generic paths of entrepreneurs. I think some are, are just kind of born that way. They're, you know, they, they're selling, they're selling lemon, they're having their lemonade stand, they're selling candy bars, they're, yep. you know, going and buying the bulk pack and breaking them up and selling them at lunch type thing, or they're trading cards or they're, you know, they've, yep. they've always got some quote hustle going on, you know, in their, yep. in their life type thing. Others are almost like, you know, I've kind of, I, I had a different life path and I pivoted somewhere along the line, you know, uh, and mm. I thought, you know, you're, you're almost the second group that said, you know, I, I work for studios. I work for companies. I, you know, I worked on shows, that type of thing. But then one day I just kind of woke up and I'm, it's almost like, am I an accidental entrepreneur, you know, type thing? Yeah. Or is it, mm-hmm. I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts on, you know, just the, you know, do you believe there is like a genetic disposition 
you know, to yeah. entrepreneurship. For sure. I, I think entrepreneurship is, is torture, right? It, it is not easy. You, you, <laughs> it's I, not I for you the faint of heart. It's not for the faint of heart. And I think the way you described it is perfect. I think there are people that genetically are wired to just be hustlers and can go create a business out of something, right? And definitely the group of uh, people that were, it's been born out of their specialty or talent and a passion, or they, they saw a problem and they knew they had an interesting take on it. And just felt so passionate about like mm-hmm. I got to solve that. I got to figure out how to solve that, right? I don't know that. I would probably say the second group may uh, have an easier time of may have for more fun in the journey, but it's also a little bit probably more stressful in it because you you know you're wired a little differently than the yeah. first group is, and and vice versa. The other group probably has some other perks in that journey. I, I think it's a good take. I don't know anything else but this path. <laughs> like I could, you know, right. I, I, all, all the ideas are grounded in what I've known my whole life to do, and and just trying to evolve that, you know. But. And I, I also think that you know nothing's wasted, you know, in in your history. I mean, so like this beautiful mosaic yeah. of things you've you exactly. know formed you and and prepared you for this moment in time. But I am curious about like just. Let's just talk about more broadly, just content creation as a whole. I mean, that's you talk about a, a great big sandbox to play in. I mean, that's a yep. that's an enormous sandbox to play in. So is there a use case for this for social media content? Is there, you know, that type of thing? What where do you see? I mean, is that iteration 3.0? Is that is that something yep. that you got another arm of the company that's kind of working on that side of things? Yeah, I, I think it's in the 2.0 uh, or 2 to 2.5, honestly. Because anything can be social media content these days, right? You know, it's, it's basically something you want to share on the outside. I think that content's evolving. When you when you look at the landscape, you know, cable TV surpassed broadcast in the '90s. You know, streaming surpassed cable and broadcast. I think in the '22 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And user generated user generated media media is about to surpass all of it. I think it's yeah. projected in '24. And, and that is a huge pivot that's coming. And I think on the social media side, what's been interesting, you know, coming from TV, how brands integrate in the content has evolved, right? It started off, you know, in the early days of TV, it was commercials and sponsorships. The show was brought to you by, then product placement became a thing in the 90s. We're really sort mm-hmm. of took hold in the 90s and brands could be placed in shows, you know, and you had to beg for them to be placed. And they weren't even paying you just to beg to use your logo. And then product integration became sort of the, the holy grail where products can be integrated in a story, which is mainly mm-hmm. scripted stuff. I, what's happening here in the future is when user-generated media starts completely overtaking this in a huge, huge way, brands are really stuck with this whole interrupting the content that their customers are watching, right? right. And, 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 and a lot of them can skip right past it, right? So how do brands integrate in this new user-generated thing? Part of the thing that we're designing or soon to do is for brands to not have to interrupt the stories, but for brands to be part of their customer stories. Mm-hmm. So Gerber or G- Johnson and Johnson can, we can create a story strip that basically tells the pregnancy journey of a mom mm-hmm. leading up to birth. Mm-hmm. And Johnson and Johnson can be the one that actually offered that for free for a mom to use, but now this mom has got this video archiving this amazing piece of her life that she'll never forget. And J&J's baked into that yep. piece of content, right? Yep. You know, uh, she's using their product. Like, she's talking about the product. I think, yeah. Not even, not even. Really? She just, she just, she's just going on the pregnancy journey of what she's doing. It, but, mm. but, 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 but think of the correlation of that brand 
being associated with yep. something that is yep. so precious to her and, mm-hmm. and that it was documented because of that brand. And I think from an advertising perspective too, you know, Nike wants to go launch a new uh, Air Jordan 18 or whatever the next Air Jordan is, you know, and they could put out one that is Michael Jordan. You know, do you want, do you want to win a new, one of the new pair of Jordans before they come out? Here's a QR code, right? And it basically is, is Michael Jordan interviewing five, you know, five, five questions on tell me the best story you have, hmm. you know, wearing a pair of Jordan. What was the favorite of this? And so they create content as submissions, but now the brands get this content that's telling the story of their brand. Cause, you know, I, I think the thing that's evolved too is people are really attached to brands. Like we all have brands we mm-hmm. use and we're, we're, you know, attached to. And I think this sort of is that well, it'll help brands unlock the user generated media piece. Yeah. So that it can evolve with that. Thing. I, I mean, obviously you have spent an, an enormous amount of time either, you know, I, and I doubt this was, you know, a solo effort. I mean, you, you probably have a oh, really solid team, team yeah. around you absolutely, um, that is helping you think through this, you know, strategically. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's funny because in podcasting, it's a lot of the same thing. It's like, you know, brands are starting podcasts not to sell their brand, not to sell their, their, yeah. you know, their swag or whatever, but, but literally to tell stories. You know, yeah. and kind of that association, like you were talking about, of, yeah. of you know, a good feeling about the story. But I associate that with you know Patagonia, yeah. you know, exactly type right. things. So uh, it, there's certainly something very valuable, you know, in yeah. that. And tell me, when when did you start, Orson? What was kind of the what was day one? Yeah, day one was having a crazy idea that you could automate unscripted because it's never been done before in having a, a fantastic group of investors around me that thought it was like, if you can crack this code, that was, that was the moment. It, it was, it was the moment of after doing this for a year or two manually mm-hmm. and going, okay, I know there's value here and I could see the science to it because part of doing this was sitting in an edit bay, thinking of all the creative decisions, directing somebody mm-hmm. and editing, going, can we put an algorithm to this, you know? And breaking that down. And when we had done that, we're like, okay, we see the beginning of how this could be a science. That was sort of the, the beginning moment and had some fantastic people around me that believed in it. And and we got a killer team and and we were off the races. And when was it launched? What approximate date? You know, you yeah. said, okay, when, when when's it public, I guess? Yeah, Story Shop launched two weeks ago. So the, the, the first fully public available version of Orson just happened two weeks ago. Wow. Uh, it's been in beta and different tests. It's been in Slack in fall of last year. We were in Slack with a bunch of beta teams playing with it for mm-hmm. uh, employee environments. Mm-hmm. And then we started in 21 really was when the company started being built. So, so. one other use case, do you see an in- internal use case for companies? Oh yeah. So, so we use it internally, right? We eat our own dog food. We, we, everybody that works in the company, the team that they join, we have story strips that the whole company does. So you meet the, the, the company meets the new person coming in. It sees their whole story before it watches it. The person joining the company gets to watch the, the episode that have the whole team. And so they, they get to meet the culture. We have a thing that we do internally. We have a story strip that we do called the weekly what's up. So every week, one question, it goes up to the team. We have an all hands meeting on Friday. And we play that video at the beginning of our Zoom call. Mm, and it's, wow. it's fantastic, right? Like it, you, you just continually get to know and grow. And two thirds of our team are remote. A third of them work out of an uh, office here in Winter Garden. And so 
you would not guess it's a remote company. I feel like it's a very tight, very tight group considering how young we are and, and just seeing that connection. Everybody, it's like you know each other already. The board's the same way. The board, we use it with our, with our board. The board loved, loved it. It was, it was an amazing experience for them. Very tight in the board after that. So. Well, I, as, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up today, I normally I would kind of drill down. I would say, okay, what are some lessons learned about, you know, leading teams, starting a company type thing? But yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit here because you said something right there. And I, I told you in the prep info that, you know, I may chase the proverbial rabbit here. So I, here we sure. go. Here's the rabbit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's you, you mentioned something really interesting just a second ago about the whole idea of, you know, we've got some teams in Winter Park. We've got you know, some yeah. teams just some some of the team is distributed. How do you how do you make that experience consistent for those that are not sitting, you know, five feet away from you with a but mm-hmm. maybe one wall between you type thing? And how, because how do you, you know, that that's a struggle that so many I think yeah. leaders struggle with. I'd I'd love to just kind of wrap up with your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, I, I'm at an advantage because we have our own product to play with. So what I would say is it, it, it would be extremely difficult. And I feel the pain from a lot of people and friends and who run remote companies, how very difficult it is to have that consistency. I think, you know, I'm a big fan of traditions in my own family, like the, 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 the consistency of traditions and things that you do as a group together, I think are really important. I would say the two biggest things are Having open dialogue and, and Orson really helped us do that where we, we are able to, even this remote environment, really get to know each other intimately very quickly and on a consistent basis. That's one huge thing. Second thing is we do a few offsites a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big proponent of our offsites are uh, memorable experiences. So like the last one we had, the team, we I took them to drive tanks because we live in, uh, our, we're headquartered in Orlando. And one good thing about Orlando is there's a ton of random crazy yeah, stuff absolutely. to do here. Absolutely, yeah. And team so building, we, extraordinary. Team building. Yeah, so, so, so trying to create moments of stuff that no one has ever done before yet. Mm-hmm. So we all are experiencing something new for the first time. Like, I don't know when this is going to air, so hopefully the team won't hear this prior to, but like, we're do, uh, I've got a stunt driving thing planned for them. We're taking them to NASA on the next one to go, like no one's seen the go see SpaceX and all that stuff. So like trying to create experiences just like you would with kids, yeah. like it's, this is going to be memories they're going to hold on to in that we all experience together something new. It's not just like the trust tree catch me moments, but like <laughs> genuinely Broke do horse. some tools. Right. Exactly. Yeah, create some genuine moments that are new that you as a team can experience together when you have those times and then really try to facilitate that open connection stuff, which is difficult. But again, that, that's uh, I'm an advantage. I, I feel bad saying it because I'm like, the thing I'm telling you is only we're doing right now. And now with Story Shop, anybody could do it. You could go on there and use Chemistry Accelerator and these other ones. But like, it, it makes life a lot easier to do it that way. I, I'm so glad I pivoted on that question because I, I love what you just shared. And I think that is will be so helpful to those that are trying to lead and are kind of struggling in that area. I think something that there's certainly takeaways in that that they can they may not bite off all of it, but you know, tanks may be out of out of the, you know, yeah. pale of opportunity here, but they can they can come up with something that that sure. truly yeah. is experiential, you know, and memorable. But you know, we've chatted about a lot of things, covered a lot of ground. Is there is there anything that you just want to kind of wrap us up with that you think would be helpful to our audience and um, maybe just tell people, yeah. you know, where's the best place to kind of, where's that intersection best to, to with, with Orson or with you? 
Yeah, I, I would. Uh, the thing I'll tell the audience is all the things that you think, whether it's your spouse or your kids or your parents, we all take for granted the things that we think and feel, and we assume everybody around us knows, and nobody knows it. <laughs> they don't assume anything. Just find those moments in life where something strikes you and say the thing you're thinking that you don't say out loud because it makes relationships go so much better, right? Mm. That's the big thing. Would love anybody that wants to check out Story Shop, go check it out, play with it. Would love any feedback. There's a bunch of stuff there we're always working on. People can hit me on LinkedIn if they have any questions or anything. But yeah, it was great, great talking to you. Hey, man, I, I'm so grateful for you taking time today and sharing with us on a late Thursday afternoon here. But, and John, thank you for just giving us the story behind you know, Orson and, and kind of the journey you've been on and how you've arrived at today and what tomorrow is going to look like, but really just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. John, have a great evening. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Make sure you follow up with our guests today and show them the support they deserve. As always, thank you for listening and playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide.